welcome to Dental Brain Crops. I'm your host, Chelsea Myers, and this is an exciting day for me. This is episode number 100 for Dental Brain Crops, and it couldn't be more perfect. I couldn't have timed this more perfectly um, because I've got Dr. Brett Kessler on the on the line here. I'm so excited to get into this conversation with him. And Brett is an incredible person and a friend and someone I respect immensely, and he is all about change. And so as we go into this 100th episode and next season of our show, I am just so excited to have you here. Welcome to the show, Brett. Thanks, Chelsea. Wow, 100 episodes. That's great. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of uh, dedication and a lot of uh, people you've talked to. This is my second time on the podcast and or on the episode, I guess. And so uh, it's nice to be back and always nice to see you. Nice to see you too. And congratulations, President-elect of the ADA. I'm so excited. I want to get into all of the things, your goals and your journey getting here. But first, if we could just talk a little bit about your background, Brett. I know that uh, many people know you, but just tell us, give us a little summary, who you are, what you're doing. So I'm a, a general dentist. I practice in Denver, Colorado. I'm not really practicing that much right now uh, because of my new role as president-elect of the ADA. Um, you know, foundational stuff. I, uh, you know, had a, a substance abuse problem when I entered dental school back in the early 90s, and I, I graduated with a worse substance abuse problem. I uh, hit a bottom in 1998, where I finally uh, dealt with it appropriately, and I've been sober for over 25 years now. Uh, as I got better and, and recognized uh, that, um, I had unlimited opportunities in my life. I, I set out to live my best life, and um, you know, and I, I, I did a lot. I continue to do a lot of personal work, personal growth work, to uh, be the best I can be and live my best life. And uh, and I love to share about it. Um, I was, uh, you know, recently, uh, you know, elected at the uh, at the ADA's annual meeting, uh, SmileCon. To become the president-elect of the organization, which is quite a, a journey if you just look at the two dots from from <laughs> beginning uh, 1997, you know, 1998 to uh, today. It's a, it's I feel very blessed to be in the position I'm in, and uh, I uh, you know I'm excited to see where uh, we can take the organization. So. Ah. And it's, it's so neat to hear you, hear you give that, you know, um, it, we fill in the blanks with what would have been a really rocky start out to this incredible spot that you're in now. And when I think about that and I reflect on the conversations that we've had and just what I know from my own personal experience, you know, um, had you not made the decision to prioritize your health and your wellness, you would not be even a candidate that someone would be thinking about to be in the position that you're in today. And so when you talk about, you know, I realized that I hit a bottom. Do you feel like that's something that you just kind of woke up one day and you're like, crap, I'm at the bottom? Or do you feel like you were becoming more and more aware of that? Because what I'd really love to help our audience who may be struggling with anything, you know, there's, you know, there's substance abuse, there's sexual addictions, there's overspending, there's anger management concerns. There's all kinds of things that we we struggle with. And some of you, you can smell and you can see on someone and some of them you can't. They're very private and well hidden. Uh, but we all have our things. And so what was your experience like as far as identifying that issue? So it was my secret. 
Uh, I kept it very uh, under wraps and um, ended up going to rehab in 1997, um, basically to chase away consequences. You know, consequences were starting to mount and I saw it as a problem and actually called the Michigan Dental Association Wellbeing Program and they directed me towards help. Um, and, and they directed me towards treatment and, but, but I didn't get sober there. Uh, you know, and I went to treatment, I, I, you know, my whole life is, a you know, many of us are high achievers, especially in the, in the dental field, we have to be to accomplish, uh, getting that degree. Um, but, uh, in my whole life, I, I would, if I had a problem, I would just dive into potential solutions and then solve it and then move on. And my, my MO is to go to rehab solve my problem and move on. And I didn't recognize the extent of the disease of, of my addiction, how much it had overtaken my brain. And I, I recognized that I can't fix my broken brain with my broken brain. Um, and, uh, and, and so I, I did not listen to the suggestions that were given to me after I left rehab. Um, and I just kind of went on my own way. And, you know, what I learned is that my defaults, if left to my own devices, I will, you know, want to go back to my old ways. And that's what I did. And within a few months after rehab, I was back to my old ways, and, you know, hit a bottom uh, that was significant enough in October of 98, where uh, um, I recognized that I can't do this on my way. And uh, the suggestions that were given to me, I didn't follow. And I guess if I follow those, let's see if that works. And uh, thank goodness it did. Um, you know, and it's, 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 it's a disease of the brain. My brain is different than a normal brain when it comes to substances. And, um, you know, and, and when I put a, a mind altering substance in my body, my brain just explodes and wants more and more and more. Um, and, um, so then that's what happens. I would go off in these crazy drinking and, and drug binges and, you know, only, you know, uh, it, I was done when I was done basically, you know, and I'd be gone for a couple of days sometimes. Um, but the, the reality then was, uh, was for me, well, all logic says, well, if you just don't put a mind altering substance in your body, you won't go off on those binges, which is perfectly logical, but somehow the, what the addiction does is it tells you, Hey, this time it'll be different. Go ahead and, you know, you deserve it. You've, you've, you've earned, uh, the right to, uh, to, to relax again. And this is the best way I knew how to relax. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and so I couldn't, once I put something in my body, I couldn't stop, but when I was stopped, I couldn't stay stopped. And it's completely illogical. And it's it's actually mental illness is, you know, is a form of insanity. This this mental illness is a form of insanity. And if logic uh, were the solution, it'd be really easy to solve, but it wasn't. Because <laughs> um, mm -hmm. if it was if logic was a solution, it would be known as sanity. Um, this was insanity because, you know, it was very obvious when I put something in my body, I would go off on these these binges and uh, and so if I could just say stopped, I would, but I had to have uh, some very intentional help. And I had to surround myself with, with people who were also in recovery and um, in, in group settings where we can talk about the triggers that uh, were, were present that would lead me to think it's okay to drink or, or use again. And, um, and, and, you know, and I had to do a lot of, of self 
growth. I had to give up a lot of my old ideas um, and, and substitute new ones in that were much more healthy as far as it was managing life. And, you know, I came into uh, recovery just with the idea of, of, of chasing away the consequences. And uh, what I learned is that I had to be sober completely um, every single day and, uh, and, and that I could substitute these, these thought processes into living uh, my absolute best life and being a maximum, con you know, contributor, a maximum contributor to the world. And, um, and, and that's how I do it every single day. I've been sober a little over 25 years now, and that's in a row that includes weekends and holidays and vacations. And, uh, um, you know, and, and I hang around with a lot of people who are, uh, who are in recovery and meet with them on a regular basis through, uh, different recovery venues and meetings. And, um, you know, and that's outside of my professional obligations, but, uh, but that for me is a foundation and, and every single day I wake up and I, I, I look at, well, what do I, what am I going to do for my recovery today? Uh, first and foremost, because without it, I, I don't have anything to look forward to. And so I deal with that. Um, I'll do some, some daily meditation. I do some journaling, um, I, I meet with people I mentor and people that mentor me and I set up my, my mindset for the day and, and how can I, you know, live my best day every single day. I have to do that and it's not a bad way to live. <laughs> yeah. So you said you went to rehab in 97, but actually consider yourself recovered in 98 because you didn't get sober in recovery. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that you hit on that is, um, really profound, particularly in this industry or with other high performers is that so much of what we do, there actually is a system out there. We just have to find the system, do the things, and then it's complete. You know, that if like, you know, we have a chair and the leg on the chair breaks, there is a correct way to fix it. And once it's fixed, it's done. You don't have to continue repairing the chair. But when you talk about something like mental health, or you talk about something like creating new results in your life from um, a previous pattern of addiction or detriment or behavior, it's not a one-stop shop. There's not a curriculum that you're done with after a certain period of time. There's not... Um, a, you still with me? I'm just going to keep going because I think that you are, uh, but there's not a curriculum that you're done with after a certain period of time. You don't just check some boxes and then never have to revisit it. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. That, no, no, no. That's great. This is totally great. We can handle these things. Um, so I hung up. So sorry. Go ahead. I'm kidding. <laughs> you like the question. New question. <laughs> Rephrasing the question. So you can't just check the boxes and be done with it. You know, uh, it's not as simple as fixing something or, um, you know, erasing something and it's over. This is something that requires continuous attention to detail to not only solve what was going on, but um, allow you to engage in that continuous improvement and make that impact that you want to make in the world. You said that you're constantly meeting with people who had similar situations and are now recovered or um, engaging with people who are wanting to recover. And that's a part of the system that actually works for this. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. 
Exactly. And uh, first of all, it's a, it's a great reminder for me. I actually had a phone call with a, uh, a dentist yesterday who was struggling and uh, she's from Colorado and um, he called me out of the blue and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, I was able to guide her to some resources to get help. And, but what a great reminder for me of, uh, you know, I'm not in that position anymore and I don't ever want to be in that position anymore um, where, where my life looks hopeless and um, right. and so you know, and I, I work hard to to be the person I am today, and um, everything I do is by intention. And um, you know, so many of us live, uh, you know, the wind blows us whichever way it blows us, and and you know, and one day we wake up and we're not happy, and we don't understand why. And uh, but we, it's because we didn't really set the intention of what happiness looks like, what success looks like for us. Mm. Um, and for me, it started out as, you know, don't drink one day at a time. And then I realized that I could do so much more with my life. And, um, you know, with, with a lot of these, you know, more positive mindsets and, um, you know, protocols that, uh, you know, used to lead me to drink now lead me to, to deal with the, uh, the present moment and, and to set goals. And, and then when I have this goal, I can, you know, every decision I make, am I moving myself closer to the goal? Am I moving myself further away from the goal? And, um, so it, it's all interrelated, um, you know, whether you're dealing with addiction, mental illness, um, or even physical problems, you know, there, there's a, you know, a recovery plan that you can follow and everybody's recovery plan is unique. Um, but the, the commonalities are that, you know, the mindsets must change. And if, if we are going to accomplish goals, um, we must grow so we can accomplish those goals. Otherwise, we would just be, you know, following along. I think that the, the movie Forrest Gump has uh, an opening sequence where a feather is just kind of floating around in the wind and landing in different places. And then, you know, and staying for a second and the wind takes it to another place. And, you know, and, and, you know, and the, the whole movie is, is Forrest Gump is, is floating around in the wind and, and experiencing these amazing things uh, and then floating to the next amazing thing, but it's a fairy tale. And what it was so intriguing about the movie was that that we all want that, but we don't want to work hard for it. You know, we just want to let the wind blow us in, in, in various directions. And sometimes that works. Sometimes you're, you know, you just kind of move forward and don't know where you're going and you end up in these amazing situations. But for the most part, um, you know, to climb up a mountain, it takes a lot of effort. And uh, you and I got to experience that a couple of weeks ago, which was awesome uh, when you came to visit in Colorado. Um, but, but, you know, it's this living, you know, living, uh, with an intention, um, and, and acting along those lines are the key to success, not just for me, but for everyone I know who's been successful. No one just landed in a success, <laughs> you know, the overnight success shows the, the little bit that, that is, is visible. They don't see the, the, the iceberg that's submerged under the water um, that goes down thousands of feet. So it's a lot of work. And it can be terrifying, actually. I, I Earlier in the conversation when you mentioned, you know, I, I knew that it had to, 
some of the things from my past had to never be a part of my future, not on holidays, not on breaks, not when I deserve them, never. And that's a terrifying feeling. I can recall being terrified by that idea, right? Um, but what's on the other side of it is what you're describing, the the fairy tale. And, um, you know, it, I also think we should talk a little bit about the word work because the words that we use to define our experiences have a significant impact on the experience that we have. And some of us have um, words that we use that we've just never intentionally defined. And when we go to define it, a word like work or sacrifice or discipline, these can be really repelling words for us. And I think it's important to assess the words that we're using and how we think and feel about them and create new definitions if there's a better one that would serve us. Because I think work is designed for us. I think it's for us to find joy and to create and to contribute and to bring people together. And um, depending on what our experience has been and who we were raised by, it can actually have a really heavy sense about it for us. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, you know, the, the 1950s model of work was, you know, the, the father would, you know, leave the house every day with his little lunch pail and drive <laughs> off and the mom would sit there and, you know, and do her work. She, you know, cook, cook the breakfast and get it, get the kids off to school while she was home doing the housework and the, the ironing and the vacuuming. And then dad would come home and, you know, and, and, and he would take a drink, you know, a drink of scotch or, you know, just a, mm -hmm. unwind from the day and then, you know, have the, you know, the dinner with the kids and, you know, but, but no, no one was, at, would ever talk about the work. And, and in those days, the work was, you know, especially the, the jobs were mostly jobs for life. You know, you, you were with a company and you retired with that company. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and today's idea of work is, is much different. Um, although it is very similar, there, there's, there's a lot of, of differences to it. The roles have um, been opened up where, you know, men and women both work. And in dentistry now, over 50% of the dental student population are women, which is awesome. And, um, um, you know, and, 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 you know, from my experience, my wife is a dentist and, you know, she's a lot more empathetic than I am to the patients sometimes, um, you know, and, you know, comes just with, uh, you know, some of the, I hate to say stereotypes, but, um, you know, she's a lot more emotionally intelligent than I am um, and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And um, so, you know, we're, we have four kids and, you know, both of us work. And uh, so the kids are a lot more independent and they are, um, you know, from the, from the get go. And we rely more on, on, on the schools and communities to, you know, to show them the way, um, you know, and, and, and in my work, you know, originally as, as a private practice dentist versus a, as an employee, um, you know, it was, it was a role that I, I loved and, but I knew I wanted to be an owner and my first, uh, you know, and, and to be an owner, it involved a lot of work. You know, I needed to, to, to make a business plan. I needed to go out and find funding. I had to, you know, as, as the owner, then I was the chief executive officer. I was the chief financial officer. I was the chief marketing officer. I was the chief technical officer. 
I don't know where dental school, uh, my dental school degree made me the expert on how to fix the printer, but that's what I always had to seem <laughs> to do, um, you know, and, and, you know, head of production, I was the head of collections. I mean, you know, it's, it, it involved a lot of different roles that, you know, some I knew how to do, but many I didn't and to learn, you know, baptism by fire. Um, you know, and, and then, uh, after I sold my practice after about 15 years, um, and it was just time. And, and I was, I knew I was going on the board of trustees, the board of directors of the American Dental Association. And, you know, and I wanted to go full in on that job and, and the work was very different. It was, a uh, a lot of uh, of reading of the trends that are, are current in the in the dental environment these days, um, dental economy these days, and then trying to formulate good thoughts on on the future of, of dentistry and drive the future as as um, you know one of the the trustees of the the biggest lever in our profession, the American Dental Association, to create for future and. You know, and, and so that was a very meaningful job. Those four years were, were really intense and, and I feel very accomplished and um in, in the work that we did and you know, and I'm I'm blessed and lucky enough to serve now as uh, you know, the president elect uh, of the ADA this year and then president uh starting next uh, October for the next year. And so I've got two more years to to really, you know, try and move that lever. And, and move the profession forward and, and the work for me, it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of effort, um, but it doesn't feel like it a lot of times, you know, because it's, it's meaningful to me and, uh, and, and feel so lucky, like I said, to, to have this opportunity um, to lead the organization. So I want to maximize it. I'm so, so excited for you and, want to offer again just publicly congratulations um you know you and i when we met it was because i'd come across something that you had written and you know woven throughout that tapestry of whatever um of the paragraphs i was reading was the passion that you have behind wellness and mindset and health and you know we are so fortunate to be in the industry at this time where we have so much technology and AI and um, advancements taking place, and it's rapidly changing. There's also an abundance of stimuli and opportunities to become stressed and making it harder to find that internal harmony and peace that we need to actually show up, not just in our day-to-day professions, because that's important, but um, really experiencing our lives is, is what it comes down to because otherwise we'd be, you know, go into survival mode and we just kind of do the same things every single day, but we're not really there. And so when I came across that, I was like, wow, this person's got some depth. And I reached out to you because I just wanted to know more. You know, we know that stress contributes to cognition loss and motivation loss, and it perpetuates discomfort. And on the flip side, we're more productive and we have more fun and we create you know, more of whatever we want, more wealth, more experience, more fun, um, when we have a healthy mindset. And so talk, you know, you touched on some of them at the beginning of the, at the conversation, but talk about some of the ways that you, particularly now when your own world is substantially more busy than it used to be, what are you doing? How do you manage that? Because a lot of people are trying to figure out how to get a better handle on their situation. Sure. 
you know, first I want to just, you know, lay out the landscape that, you know, healthcare is in a crisis right now. Uh, the delivery of healthcare, so many of our colleagues are suffering and, uh, and so many of our colleagues are leaving the healing professions because it is so hard on us. You know, it's hard on our bodies. It's hard on our brains. It's hard on our emotions. Um, and so it, it's, it's, it's in crisis mode. And I say that I serve on a, a work group with that's uh, a part of the National Academy of Medicine on clinician well-being. And one of the stats that came out from, of this group was this, this work group was that we're 1 million nurses short in the system right now because wow. so many nurses have left due to burnout. And uh, in, in dentistry, I read a study where over 80% of us have identified uh, um, that we're burned out. Um, and there's no way we can be effective as dentists, as practitioners, uh, as, as, we, as, as effective as we could be if we are burned out. Um, and so I, I share um, this a lot with uh, especially our younger dentists lately that, you know, that, that you are your most valuable asset. <laughs> Okay. Yes, we've got assets and it's on a balance sheet. We may own a house, a car, a practice. We may have money in the bank. We have stocks, you know, but all that doesn't mean anything if we, if we're not well. And um, our production and our production capacity is dependent upon our ability to be well. And I look at wellness in, in five different dimensions. Um, the first one is physical wellness. Okay. Dentistry is very hard on the body. Many of us have neck problems, shoulder problems, back problems, eye strain problems, hand, wrist, um, and and you know and, and you know we don't take care of ourselves you know as as well as we could, and we don't recognize that how hard doing dentistry, doing you know working on patients upside down and backwards, is 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 hard, and it leads to these these chronic problems. And many of my colleagues, many of our colleagues have have missed work due to the uh, due to injury, work-related injuries. Um, and, and many of us are, are practicing in pain and we'll just suffer through it and we can't be as good as we need to be. And so, um, you know, we need to take care of ourselves as such physically. So, you know, doing a regular exercise routine, it doesn't, I'm, I'm a, an endurance athlete. I do crazy long, uh, you know, Ironman races and ultra marathons and marathons and things like that. And, you know, you don't have to be crazy like me, but we, you know, we need to find ways to keep our body in the best shape possible. Stretching, yoga, um, you know, some kind of resistance training, some kind of cardiovascular training. Um, be very intentional about what we put in our bodies, what kind of food choices that we make. Um, uh, and, and, you know, so, so physical, physicality, if we, you know, we've got all the information in our heads of what, uh, what we need to do for dentistry, but we can't use our bodies to, to create it, 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 it goes away. So that's the first dimension. Second dimension is, um, you know, our mental axis of wellness. And we need to do things to to grow our mental capacity on a regular basis. How can um, you know we got to keep keep learning? How can we keep learning? You know, listen to you know podcasts, read books, um, you know, read articles, attend lectures, better yourself as a dentist, better yourselves as a person. Um, you know, and and all through expanding the mental axis of wellness, uh, mental capacity, growing it. Um, third 
part of the the wellness in my definition is the emotional wellness you know feel every emotion to the best of our ability don't stuff it um you know us high achievers we don't like to show signs of weaknesses and we don't like to show fear uh we need to be experts in everything and and you know and a lot of times we will stuff these emotions that, that we're experiencing and and that comes back to haunt us later i truly feel that you know early life child uh trauma you know led to poor coping mechanisms for me which led to uh my addiction you know and it's nothing anyone did uh that, that was horrible but i experienced a trauma that, that caused that okay um you know so so dealing with our emotions on a regular basis um uh, the the fourth is spiritual wellness you know and and some people when i say spiritual go right to you know religion or god and which could be part of a, a you know spiritual for me i i believe that the universe is you know you taught me this you the saying the universe is rigged in my favor and uh, <laughs> and and I, I i really love that because there are powers that be that uh you know, if I connect the dots, it's, there's something else out there that's looking over me. And I and I appreciate it. And I try and connect with that. Um, but but I look at spiritual like what lights your fire? What gets you excited to get up in the morning to accomplish something big? And um, and and so growing your spirit is uh, is really important. Um, and then the fifth axis, uh, fifth dimension of this axis is is social wellness, surrounding myself with like minded people who are mutually supportive, who, you know, help me grow, who I can help grow, who help me deal with things, who I can help people them deal with things, who I can uh, share experiences with physically. Um, I could take classes with to grow my mental capacity and 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 we can laugh and cry with in, in the emotional side, you know? And and so, you know, you you are one of those people that, you know, every time we talk, things good things come out of it, you know? And, and so those social connections, you know, are the key to everything. You know, we as humans have a tribal mentality. We want to be part of something, and uh, and and commune with 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 others. It's just part of what what drives us. So even and and frankly, I'm an introvert. You know, and and I need my alone time. But then, but only so much of it I can handle. You know, and and but you know, and I and I get to appreciate when I'm with other people in a bigger way. And so I don't spend, um, you know. All, I don't spend effort in all five of those axes on a regular on a daily basis, but I try and you know nurture them on a regular basis. And if I do that, my life seems to always be gelling, you know, and uh, and and that's pretty cool. But it happens intentionally. It doesn't just happen with the wind blowing me a certain way, and I just let it happen. You know, I need to work. I need to work at it and and find time every um, every day to do something to the best of my ability. So that's what I do. Those those acts, I try and, you know, um, you know, nurture those. Well, first of all, thank you. The admiration is mutual. I love our friendship. I love the it, it is. It's always very inspiring, uplifting. And I always like walk away from these conversations going, OK, and break. And I feel like I've got three other, you know, new things that I want to accomplish or initiatives that I want to start. Um, but I think all of those all of those um points you talked on are just so important and we could really podcast about each one but it when you talked about the first one the physical you know taking care of your physical what you eat and what you do with your body and relating that to you are you're an endurance athlete I 
I think I said this on the last podcast, but your pictures are just incredible. And then I learned you're taking them just on your smartphone. They look like National Geographic pictures sometimes. But when we went on that hike, I remember you asked me, you're like, so do you want to do the medium or do you want to do the advanced? And I was like, well, I don't actually know what your version of either is. So I chose medium and we know, so we're in the hike about 10 or 15 minutes and I'm like, wow, my heart is pounding. I could literally hear it. And then you asked me a deep question that was going to require some explanation. And I was like, I'm not sure how I'm going to talk and keep moving. But I did my best. And hopefully it wasn't too embarrassing for you. But, you know. Not at all. It was great. <laughs> what would you say? I really feel like there's this connection between the way that you frame up doing a really hard physical activity and it's so parallel with how we do other things in life um, because there is there there's a, a discomfort that demands your attention and it really begs for it but you also always have the power to redirect or to acknowledge and then think about something different and it just to me it parallels you know when things get hard in business or in your marriage or in you know conquering a habit or whatever the thing is they're they're very similar and I really think that um, when you're trying to make a change or make an improvement in one area of your life if you're not sure how to do it doing something physical is actually really rejuvenating and can help guide that light what are your thoughts so from a physiologic standpoint um, the endorphins that get released from a, a, a physical effort, you know, changes my physiology, it changes my brain. And it, it, it feels great. From a metaphorical standpoint, you know, every, you know, I, I live in Colorado, and, and I love playing on trails and, and Chelsea, and I got to go on a hike uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, one of my favorite trails and, you know, and going uphill, yeah, you feel the stress, you feel the heart going, you feel the your breaths getting short, because we're so high up anyway. But Gosh, once you get to the top, the view at the top is never bad, right? And right. Uh, and I know with the efforts that I put in physically for these hikes that it's going to be a great payoff. And then metaphorically move that back into into my my business life and and personal life and relationships. And if I have to work hard, it's usually because I'm looking for a, a big outcome. And, um, and, and when things get really hard, I've proven to myself through the physical, uh, stretching of my physical being that I can accomplish really, really, really hard things. Um, and if I just keep moving forward and sometimes I can move forward very quickly, sometimes I got to shorten my stride a little bit and take it up slow. But, but if I keep moving forward, something is going to happen that will break through the challenge. Uh, that I'm facing and I'm that I'm I'm trying to 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 conquer. It it's never failed me, and um, so it, the the physical aspect where I, I chose to live in Colorado because I wanted to push myself physically, and I didn't recognize how important that was in pushing myself in all aspects of my life uh, um, came to be from that. You also mentioned the importance of feeling every emotion which is super exciting, except for when you think about like half of them, which are negative <laughs> or perceived as negative, right? Why is that so important? Do you think to feel all of them? 
Um, so especially in the negative ones, you know, we, like I said, as dentists, we, we are very averse to showing any signs of weakness. And so we just kind of push through and, um, you know, but it, it builds your body, your brain can only store so much of that negative negativity and keep it down for so long. Eventually it's going to explode back out. And, um, and so dealing with it and, and how do you deal with, with a negative emotion? You know, some people will, will act out in a negative way. Some people will turn to substances. Some people will turn to, you know, destructive behaviors. Um, but what if you, you, you dealt with it in a positive way where, you know, you, you wrote about it, you know, and, and wrote out what is the worst that could possibly happen if this really comes true, if this, this thing that's going in, that's spinning around in my brain, uh, you know, what if it, what's the worst that can possibly happen? And then is that real? Um, you know, you can share about it with a, a trusted friend. Uh, therapy, I've been in and out of therapy over the course of my life to help process some of these things. Um, but, but what I find, what I found is that coping mechanisms that I learned early to get through difficult times and traumatic times got me through what I had to get through. But those coping mechanisms were still active in my present day and they were not serving me anymore. My relationships were suffering. Um, I wasn't sleeping. My physical health was declining. My, 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 my physical performance uh, in, in, in my athletics was, was suffering. And, um, and all because I was strung up in my head. And so not dealing with it eventually catches up to me and many others. Um, and, and so if we can deal with it in a positive way, um, you move on and you grow from it and your, your brain stores it in the hypothalamus and the memory files. And, uh, and when something similar comes up, that memory file gets accessed again. It's like, oh yeah, I've been there and I can, you know, and this is how I dealt with it. And then, you know, this is all subconscious, but, but you go through it in a much easier way. Um, so otherwise you get hijacked. And, um, so it, 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 in my opinion, I think it needs to be dealt with as, as human quick, quickly as, as a human can, can do it. And everybody's got a different rate, which they can, they can experience and, and deal with, uh, with, with heavy emotions. Um, but then on the other side, the, the positive emotions, you know, experience true joy and, and to really experience true joy is, is such a gift, you know, to laugh with people, to cry, to, um, cry, you know, in gratitude, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's a connection that, uh, is is what we want to be tapping into in my opinion you know i didn't go into dentistry to be able to cut shapes on teeth i went into dentistry to positively affect people's lives and um yes it has to do with my physical ability to cut cut good shapes of teeth <laughs> okay but but the the crowns and the veneers that i've done to, to change someone's smile or you know the the removal of infection uh to remove pain and and the the ability to restore someone to full function again and watch that how that changes someone's life is an emotion that i don't want to stuff you know i i remember much I, you know I, I don't remember how much someone paid for something for for especially a veneer case but i remember the impact that it had on them because they share that and and that's the beauty of it all. So um, I think it's uh, it's important to experience those fully. 
You know, you said something, and I think it's really important to hit on in this conversation, um, the ability and the desire that a lot of uh, dentists and high performers have to mask emotions when they're experiencing discomfort, fear, chaos. Um, I was in a meeting yesterday, and we were having an informational interview with an M&A advisor, and one of the things that she said is that um, when the finances aren't in order, Um, it can have a cultural impact, particularly after a transition has taken place. And I really thought on that. And, you know, it's so true because there are people who are, like you said, trying to experience the joy and the fulfillment of the reason they got into dentistry. And a lot of individuals work for another doctor or group. And when things are not orderly. And when there's this invisible tension in the air, whether it's about the finances or whether it's, you know, a cultural issue or whatever the reasons are, when things aren't peaceful and it's not an environment that people want to experience again and again, um, companies get blindsided by people leaving because we're so good at hiding our emotions or not processing those emotions it's critical to have supports in place for our doctors so that they have what they need when things are changing, when we're making transitions, when we are consolidating, whatever's happening, if there's not the correct supports in place, we often miss the telltale signs of something that's about to be very expensive to that organization. Yeah. And the people that cut and run that will leave, you know, wherever you go, there you are. You know, you leave, <laughs> your, your problems come with you. It's not, you know, a lot of times it's the environment is a catalyst to it, but how you deal with it is you. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and and you'll take that, that, that coping mechanism with you wherever you go until you deal with it. And uh, so, you know, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're small businesses as dentists and, you know, some are larger businesses when, when we've got the consolidation going on with mergers and, uh, and, and large uh, dental support organizations and, and group practices and things like that. Um, and, you know, the most successful businesses are those that create a culture where everybody knows what their job is and their job is meaningful to them. And, um, you know, and sometimes, you know, sometimes when, when the waters get rough, um, you know, the, the best teams can weather those storms um, because that culture was there in the first place. When the culture isn't there and, and, and things get rough, you know, it's, it's not pretty for the organization. <laughs> And, right. Yeah. And when you consider the cost of losing a provider because that person didn't have the coping mechanisms they needed or the support structure in place that would have helped them to the investment in whatever brand of uh, coaching, mentoring, support, whatever it is, um, it, it, it's a clear choice every time. It just needs to be made in advance because you, it's very hard to patch a roof from underneath. Right. Um, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, you know, the, the landscape of the business of dentistry is, is evolving uh, very quickly. And, um, you know, the delivery care to new technologies are being introduced 
that, you know, when I started my practice in 2003, I thought I was at the leading edge of everything. And you know, I had digital x-rays and the nicest chairs and electric hand pieces and uh, uh, diagonal dent carries detectors and, you know, and, and intraoral cameras, all these things that were at the leading edge. And I thought, you know, that 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 was why people came to see me, you know, but those are just kind of bells uh, bells on the on the vehicle. You know, the vehicle is really the culture that we created, and um, and and yeah, technology is nice, and then the new technologies will allow us to practice much more efficiently and much more effectively at a higher level, and and create a better patient experience if we choose to put the patients in the middle of everything of why we're doing what we're doing. You know, can we deliver care more efficiently? Can we deliver care that's more effective and more profound uh, as far as the impact goes? And, and with the way things are evolving, um, you know, it's, it's going to be, a, you know, even in the next five years, dentistry is going to be completely different. Um, and, and it's really exciting to see that. So, but, but foundationally, culture is, is key, the culture we create. And we can only create a good culture as leaders if we are um, solid in our own selves and do the work necessary to be, there, to be our best selves. And coming back to work, the work conversation we had a few minutes ago, it takes a lot of work to, uh, to learn about yourself and, and examine yourself and grow yourself and then grow, you know, de develop a, a goal for your business um, and then create the team that will help you with that. And, and, and they have buy-in to help create that. It's, it's a lot of work, but man, it's meaningful. It's really meaningful. Um, and that's the kind of thing when we talk about spiritual wellness, that's, that's the kind of thing that lights my fire. I know it lights yours too. That's why you do what you do. So, yeah. <laughs> Which is so interesting because it is the most um, impactful, but also the most uh, time intensive and thought intensive work you'll ever do is on yourself. Um, but it's so interesting because that is by far the most control you have over anyone is of yourself. And it's so interesting that once you make um, committed pivots in your own life, how the right people seem to be attracted to you, the wrong people kind of out themselves and you make the decisions you need to make or train the way you need to train to adjust that in your organization or in your, you know, even in your social circles. I've noticed, um, you met, you talked about the importance of an intentional social circle. And I've noticed that as I've grown in life, there are people that I still love as much as I've ever loved, but they're not an energy match for me on a daily basis. And recognizing that is respecting me and them, actually. Um, but we got to take care of this all the time, right? Or else we're, we're not anything for anyone. We're kind of just spread really thin, barely present. Right. Right. And it's, uh, it's important to, to find that group of people that, will, that are aligned with what your goals are. But you as a leader, me as a leader, have to provide an inspiration for that to happen, you know, and there, there's, you know, different ways to motivate people, you know, one is by the carrot or one is by the stick. And um, I always <laughs> found that the stick is the easier way, but it's not effective and you lose a lot more 
by the stick than you do with the uh, with the carrot. You know, inspire the people around you to as you're leading them towards that goal um, becomes a much more it's a much more fun game to play, if you mm-hmm. ask me. So, and, and, and you've drifted on them all throughout this conversation, but talk to me about your goals as president elect. Oh, of the, of the American Dental Association. Of the uh, American Dental yeah. Association. <laughs> so, you know, I view the ADA as the, the biggest lever to move our profession. And we have the biggest influence over how things happen. And um, so my, my first goal, thank you for asking this, by the way, my first goal is, is about wellness. Okay. I'm, I, I, I've been sharing my story for the 25 years I've been on this path and I've never regretted it. Uh, I've always, uh, uh, whenever I, I, I talk about it, I always find people listen and hear it. Uh, and they want to have side conversations about uh, things that they may be experiencing. Um, when I gave my speech at our House of Delegates, my candidate speech, I talked about you know some of the challenges I faced in my life, and there were four people that came up to me who heard that speech who didn't realize that anyone else felt that way. They were feeling this real profound darkness in their lives, and to hear somebody else say, "Wow, you know that you know would, yeah, for me to share what I shared," they they felt like, "Wow, they thought they were the only ones." And they saw that, you know, that, that there are others and then you can overcome it. And uh, so I felt really, really proud of that. There, a lot of our colleagues are suffering right now. Um, you know, the suicide rate is way up in dentistry. Mental illness is way up. Burnout is way up. Um, and so, uh, you know, in order for us to be as good a practitioners as we can be for in order for our, us to achieve our, our personal goals as dentists, we need to be well. And so I want to be a big, um, you know, um, you know, example of, of that and, and help keep driving the conversation forward that it's okay to go through what you got to go through. And there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So that that's first and foremost. The second involves the practice of dentistry and, and how, um, you know, the, that we access, uh, help patients access dentistry, whether it's through private dental insurance or, or public dental uh, insurance um, benefit programs. Um, there needs to be a big reform in that area. And uh, we know that, uh, that the dental insurance model that we've had has worked for us. We've made it work very well, but it's not truly an essential health benefit as, uh, as and, and we don't treat it we, we, we've, uh, I guess, culturally accepted the benefit plan that we had and we've done really well with it, but it's not working anymore. And, um, you know, our, our colleagues are pretty mad at, at the benefit model and they want to see big change. And we're starting to see big change uh, with uh, the medical loss ratio uh, bills that are, are going around the country. 19 states have it on their legislative agenda to change it. Um, and, and medical loss ratio is basically, you know, a certain percentage of, of every dollar collected by an insurance company from a premium has to go towards dental care. And, um, you know, California passed an MLR bill about 10 years ago and all that they, they wanted to see was transparency, how much money was actually going towards dental care from these insurance companies. And they found some insurance companies that were, uh, that 25% of the benefits were going towards dental care, 75% were going towards something else that nobody really knows about, most likely profits. Mm. Okay. But then they found, um, you know, some players that were at the 80 to 85% 
range, you know, which is, I think, acceptable. And that, according to the Affordable Care Act in medicine, they're requiring that medical insurance um, fit into that into that mold. And so we're, we're trying to ensure that that so more patients will be able to utilize their benefit. Um, you know, in the public sector, there's, uh, you know, we're strengthening the Medicaid program. We're looking at ways that senior citizens can access dental care, um, you know, and, and whether it be through a Medicare program or some other way. Um, but we've got tens of millions of seniors that have no access. And, um, you know, and that's got to change. Um, you know, we know that the mouth is attached to the body and we know that, you know, systemic problems can be, you know, really helped with better oral health, you know, whether it's removing an infection or whether it's the ability to chew and, and eat good food, whether it's, you know, creating a smile where, you know, they can have self-esteem, you know, and, and replace missing teeth so they can smile with confidence. And so, you know, we have to find ways to uh, to connect again the body to the to the mouth and, um, you know, develop plans that really work. Um, the third pillar of, of my uh, of my goals would be to uh, create a culture of, of respect and inclusiveness in, in within the organization. Um, we've watched our membership decline over the years um, because it's really didn't have a defined value proposition of what does the ADA do for me as a practicing dentist. And, um, you know, and we're working really hard to clarify that and to try and, and show how the ADA is an indispensable resource for, for every practicing dentist. Um, but then we've got people who just don't feel that they're welcome within the ADA. You know, for the last several uh, decades, it, it was pretty much, you know, the, the private practice model is what we, uh, you know, put all of our resources into. And, and, you know, we will always support the private practice dentist. And it is still the cottage industry, cottage part of our industry. Um, but there are new uh, models that are, are becoming more and more significant. And many of our younger dentists are going towards those models, whether it's, you know, large group practices, large solo practices with, with many dentists. It could be DSOs, it could be public health, education, um, academia, research, um, and, and public, you know, and, and so we have to find ways to where all these dentists feel like their voice is being heard through our organization. So, um, so we can have a unified voice to drive advocacy in a positive way, because we know what's best for the communities we're serving. And, um, and, and as part of a profession definition is we have to you know, you know, obviously we want to be successful as practitioners, but we have to take care of the community as well if we're going to remain a profession and not a trade. So I'm really excited about uh, about all three of those pillars, wellness, um, you know, the benefits and, um, uh, and, and, and a culture of, of inclusiveness and respect. So I've got two years to to, to do this. Um, our current president, Dr. Linda Edgar, is, is, you know, working really hard along those lines, too. Um, as is uh, our, our executive director, Ray Colmia, and the rest of the board of trustees. We are fully on to, to um, you know, usher in this new era of, of dentistry. And um, it's an absolute honor and gift to be uh, sitting in the, the van from the vantage point I'm sitting at. And so i um, hoping to make the biggest difference I can. So thank you. I'm so excited. If anybody can do this, it's you. I'm, I'm just so excited to support you and watch it all unfold. And it sounds like you are surrounding yourself with some incredible people and have some incredible people that you're working alongside. And this is just going to be so great. Um, you know, 
we all have different goals, but I'm curious, you know, whether it's to be the president of the American Dental Association or anything else um, that that our younger listeners may be thinking is in their future or could possibly be in their future. If you were talking to your 20 or 30 year old self, what advice would you give? Maybe something that you did that you wouldn't do now or that you didn't do that you do do now. What would you have different to set yourself up for more success? You know, I don't, I didn't have a, you know, my, 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 I guess my, my path in life was filled with, you know, ups and downs and, you know, the, the easy answer is to say, I wish I didn't have to experience the lows in my life. Um, but if I didn't experience those lows, I wouldn't be the person I am today. And so I, I, I'm very grateful for the path that I've been on. Um, you know, things that I would do different, you know, the, you know, the, what I talked about with the, the different dimensions of wellness, you know, it's, you know, many, so many of the people that I, I speak to who are suffering or having problems, cause I do answer the phone for, you know, I, I, my number is out there for people who may be in, you know, in, in dire straits and having problems and I help guide them, um, is they, they, they tie so much of their their self-esteem and self-worth with being a dentist and dentistry is what I do. It's not who I am. You know, I'm Brett, I'm a, I'm a human being. I'm 55 years old and, um, you know, and I'm just trying to get through, I have this gift where I can share with the world of dentistry among other things, but, but dentistry is, is a means to an end to allow me to live the life that I want to live and experience the things I want to experience uh, personally and with my family and with my friends and, you know, and, um, you know, this all could be over tomorrow. You know, I can mm -hmm. be walking across the street and get hit by a car and, and it's over and it's, you know, never, no rhyme or reason. And so, you know, I have this, this mantra where uh, I say that, you know, tomorrow is probable, but it's not guaranteed. And therefore I have to live my best life today every single day. And, um, you know, and there were so many times where I was just caught up in the mire of, of drama that, uh, that didn't need to be, it was self-inflicted and, and I didn't have the tools though. And, you know, the wisdom comes with experience and experience only comes through action and, 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 the, and the accumulation of action and, the, and an accumulation and an accumulation of experiences over time creates wisdom. And so, you know, 30 years ago, I wish I had the wisdom I had today, but, but it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, those, those challenges that I went through made me who I am. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. It's a great perspective. It really is. You know, the past is so non-negotiable, completely non-negotiable. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, the best thing that we can do is just start over, you know, and I heard this tremendous piece of advice years ago, and my husband credits me for it. It's actually not mine. I just live by it. Um, but that you can start your day over anytime. So it could be two in the afternoon and you can pause and decide to start your day over right then. You don't ever have to have a 24 hour bad day or That's bad right. week. And I just love That's that. Right. Yeah. And I practice that often, <laughs> you know, sometimes challenges happen in the moment and, uh, we have to, you know, start over and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's part of our humanness. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Is there anything that I've not asked you that you want to talk about today? Um, No, I think uh, we've had an amazing conversation. I appreciate all you do. And uh, you're, uh, you're an incredible person. And I think this podcast and your your writings and and, uh, your posts on social media are changing the world. And, uh, and you're the kind of person I like to hang out with. Those are the kind of people I love to hang out with. So keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, I love these opportunities where we can get together. Absolutely. Well, you're definitely the kind of person I like to hang out with too. I appreciate you. I'm excited with you and I'm so glad to have you on the show today. Thanks, Chelsea. Thank you for everything. I appreciate you joining me for today's episode. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit dentallife.coach for access to additional coaching tools, as well as more episodes to help you create the dental life you truly desire.